Hello, and welcome to Perspective. So this is a show by founders of small creative agencies, giving our perspective on starting and running our own companies. The aim is to provide some useful advice and inspiration to others, as well as learn from each other and some others we may get to come talk on the show. This is our fourth episode. My name is John Dark. I'm a director at Every Interaction. And with me, I have Dan Gent from Lighthouse London. Hello, John. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. You all right? I'm good. Good stuff. This week, we thought we would try talking about specialisms, particularly because we both have slightly different ones. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have a certain degree of focus that I thought would be interesting to cover. Mm-hmm. So I guess the first question is, is it important to have one? I mean, we all do digital stuff. Today, that means a lot of different things. And I think this started with the web industry in the 90s, whereby the web used to be a much, much simpler place. The websites were mostly static. There were no real tools or services to speak of. The um, whole industry formed around that model. All of those agencies that sprung up in those early days were providing more of a full service offering, doing everything from the planning, the information architecture, the design, the build, the SEO, marketing, emails, advertising, even sort of print and identity work. They really were sort of full package, everything in one full service. And I guess the companies that exist today that are still doing this are the juggernauts, the same companies that started back then have been bought and merged several times over into big sort of multinational machines these days, and they're all servicing larger, slow-moving clients. Yeah. I guess since, since the web 2.0 days, the web has just generally become a lot more functional. The things we do online have evolved, and so has the market that services those businesses and industries and I guess that's where the startup movement has come from and also where agencies like ours have sprung up from to service those markets Mm. those smaller size companies who see opportunity to launch something new and um, as a result I guess we've seen a lot of these smaller to mid-sized companies moving away from full service and even a lot of the full service companies starting to slowly sort of shrivel away and start to disappear a bit yeah and I think it's it's these smaller and mid-sized companies having having specialisms that make them more agile, uh, more suited to this new emerging market, and just generally more flexible. Yeah, it feels like you're right. There was a bit of a land grab at the beginning, where if people needed it, you could offer it. And I suppose those those agencies must have just spiraled out of control at the beginning because there wasn't enough kind of competition to balance them out yeah yeah is it important to have a specialism um like yes it is i think as a smaller agency as as we both are when you're starting off um you know you were just two people at the beginning right and i think that was the same for mm-hmm. us i think obviously it's much harder to be full service when you are smaller you can't you can't just suddenly do everything out of the box straight away Mm -hmm. and with limited resource you're faced with a decision of being able to do more things but perhaps be less of an expert in them student of all trades master of none whereas you have the option to choose whether to be able to double down choose a specialism make it your focus and become more valuable to your clients in more specific ways That's in contrast to obviously keeping things broad and perhaps appealing to a wider base of people, but also potentially 
reducing the value of what you have to offer to new potential clients. Yep. So therein lies the interesting discussion about whether specialisms are important and you know how valuable they can be to, to businesses like ours, especially when starting up. Yeah, I think we had a... In a way, we were quite generalist because we just had quite a broad experience because I suppose being a developer and Tom being a designer, we and we had very different kind of careers you know tom was public sector and i was sort of agency and and um like tech product company and it felt like we touched a lot of things so we could kind of talk a full service game but yes we couldn't deliver certainly not things like marketing services or anything like that i suppose this is the problem with big agencies why they're so expensive is you go to them they've got a hell of a lot of capacity that you're never going to need, but you're still paying for in that rate, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I heard someone talking about the Hollywood method of doing projects. Have you heard of this? I haven't. So the Hollywood method is where you have, I suppose, someone like us, like a small, like you have, you go to one person, be they a freelancer or a small agency, and they kind of put together the team like you were making a movie. Okay. So that would be what we did, right? Um, you know, you'd go and find someone to develop it, and you'd find someone, you know, a marketing partner or some such, and put it to, put it together for that particular project. And they didn't mention this, but it just made me think that, like, going to a big full service agency is essentially the in that metaphor is basically turning up to someone that's already hired, like the action hero, the romantic lead, and like got all the best actors um, and actresses across those but you don't need them all for your films, but you're still going to pay for them. You know what I mean? Um, So yeah, that was a, that that just made me think, God, that's why I don't want to do full service really. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that being a specialist today gives you a bit of an edge. And I, I feel that more and more these days, the client's, see value in approaching several different specialists to address different areas um at at the same time they may have some of those areas already covered like we've seen a lot of movement with certain uh types of clients who are bringing in teams in-house they may have their own development team Mm -hmm. they may have their own marketing team they may even have their own design team and they're only looking for help with a very specific slither because Mm -hmm. the size at which they are operating they don't need those resources in house full time as well sure i don't think we see as many of them because i suppose by the very nature of what you provide as in user experience design it's never going to be the full project so i we don't get many people coming to us and saying, oh, here's the my marketing team that we're going to use. Or, you know, or people will come and say, I've done some designs, but that's not the same thing. Um, that's normally a bad sign. Um, but <laughs> I feel a lot of pressure, actually, because we probably get people that are are, are looking for full service, actually. They just can't afford the big agencies, and nor would and they'd be 
chewed up and spat out by the big agencies you know their project wouldn't stand a chance in terms of actually coming out any good mm-hmm. but if i don't kind of talk how how marketing would work even though we don't really provide you know we we have marketing partners we don't really provide we provide some strategy i suppose but we don't provide um actual actually delivering marketing if i don't talk a bit of marketing it's like that's a that's a gap in what we can offer that someone else will fill and potentially they'll they'll want that person to then fill the entire thing right so we do have a specialism but it's it feels dangerous to talk about it sometimes in terms of in terms of winning in terms of you know getting getting it right with the client and winning the work well how would you describe the types of client that you would typically work with really early stage startups um you know just people with ideas and you know if we're lucky some money um then sort of small medium sized businesses uh and kind of entrepreneurial people within them so probably the people that own the businesses and they want to they you know they've seen an opportunity to do something and then but yeah then bigger sort of bigger clients which would be just just bigger businesses but more often than not that's that those people are like need a website um, rather than like a digital product or something i feel that we are having to get a bit more we are having to spread out a bit more and, and kind of cover a few more things. Um, just That's more for the th- advice and consultation in those areas is, rather than actually yeah. delivering. No, exactly. We don't actually do, you know, we don't run a SEO campaign or anything. Mm. But again, it's quite, um, people's perception of what that is, is is different. They don't, they think, well, do you do SEO? You know, it's kind of, well, yes and no you know and then and then it's a vague answer and then that's never as good as someone just going yep you know we do so yep. to provide the full offering these days especially around startups to provide like a actual coherent thing that's going to provide them value i feel that there are a few different types of things you have to be able to put in front of them um, mm-hmm. or they're not going to get that value you know they're either going to build something with you that they then don't know how to market or they're going to um well we'd never do just the marketing or they're going to like get loads of people on a, on something that's just not up to it yeah now what i find interesting is turn the question around to us and describing the type of clients that we typically work with i think we will say exactly the same thing right <laughs> we work with Startups uh, of various stages. Some are early stage. Um, some maybe a bit further down the line, and they mm-hmm. they have a product that's already been made and been in the market for a while. But there's a lot of room for improvement or optimizations, or you know they're doing a, adding new features and functionality to that. And innovation teams inside larger businesses who mm-hmm. want to try something new, you know, disrupt their existing market. Also, people with websites and um, being user experience guys, we we tend to focus more on the apps and the functional side of stuff, the tools, the services, uh, you know, the stuff that has functionality and does something. I just, we just put it all in a big bucket called products, really. Yeah. Um, and we do do websites because that's where we've come from. Uh, but we typically these days only really do them for the services and and the clients that we've worked on for other things so that we can yeah 
you know we we know the product best we can do web we sort of tie the whole thing in uh we'll do web stuff that's generally more functional but we we tend not to get involved too much in independent um what we just call you know static content sites sure essentially uh we tend to do less of that these days um yeah uh, but at the same time we're doing quite different things i think when we, we come to describing it and how we present ourselves mm. as being independent specialists in these different things so i think that a definite i think definitely the the level of knowledge a client has before approaching every interaction is probably on average higher than a client that approaches us okay i think because i feel i feel if they are if they are looking for UX and looking for that piece of the jigsaw, they know why they're doing that and they know the other pieces of the jigsaw they need. Yeah. Is that is that fair to say? It is. I think that they already have certain elements of it covered off and that's why they come to us because they go looking for someone who is a specialist and they find us. Mm. They already have a development partner or a development team in-house and um, they probably also have somebody sort of the product owner of sorts who's you know the main client side contacts that we'll be dealing with and they're they're simply missing the sort of ux and the design parts go looking for specialists come across us and i think because of the way we market ourselves that's exactly why we get that type of trade through the door yeah no for us it's not that they don't have knowledge you know they're not kind of just floundering around but they are looking for someone to tell them what's important about what they're trying to achieve and you know the, the the standard question we'll get often is shall i build this as an app shall i build it as a website right so they're they haven't got you know they need someone to to basically get them into the position where they'd know what they were talking about to be able to then go and invest in ux or invest in marketing or, or wherever they should invest yep and I think maybe one of the interesting things about that is how we sort of are defining specialism because, yes, the skills can be specialist, but actually I think it's kind of more the approach that's specialist in a way, the, the approach of saying, you know, you don't know where to start with this and we know how to get it to launch. Like whatever shape, whatever shape that may take and whatever skills you may need within that, we can sensibly advise you how to get there so it's sort of it's being a specialist of that rather than saying we are design and development specialists or or a marketing specialist or you know the speciality speciality is um no specialism speciality is like a something a chef does isn't it like um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that is it's more that approach which i feel because i feel we're more we're we're more at risk of um, specialisms in a way because if our specialism is technology, well, you know, like where we where what if what if we're the a flash specialist? You know what I mean? Like, what if what if we're a specialist of something that just goes down the pan? Um, mm-hmm. Like the industry just rules it irrelevant. Then then that's risky. But if you're a specialist of a certain approach then that's different. And I suppose that's what you guys are because yeah, UX and design is, is an approach rather than... Well, how do you define it? Do you think it's an approach or like a skill? Um, 
I think people come to us because they think it's a skill, but I think it is it is really obviously an approach. It's it's an integral part of of the project and the thinking and the planning and the delivery and everything else. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's it's, <laughs> it's very that's it. It's so hard to describe. That's 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 the problem with trying to make it understandable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that it's often easier to just be. This is our specialism. It's it's something that doesn't actually make sense with what we actually do. Yeah, and I, I that's why I was trying to tank, trying to um, keep it, uh, trying to ask like what kind of clients do you work with, and I guess what position mm. they're in, because I guess people come to you because they're in a certain type of position, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys are the people to get that problem that they have solved. Mm-hmm. They're in an early stage position. They perhaps don't have so much of an idea about how to run the project. They don't have the experience to go hunting down separate development teams who are specialist in a certain technology yeah. stack or methodology that they realize they need in order to get their job done. They're not that far down the road. And so those are the people that would probably come to us more perhaps because they recognize the need for this this slither of the process that, that they know they don't have someone to do yet. And mm. you you would get people who need a little bit more hand-holding in those early stages. Maybe this is their first time doing something. This is their first uh, ball game. I think the thing we've made as a specialism is the kind of helping people define what their first release of a product should be mm-hmm. by basically, we you know, we've done a lot of messaging and a lot of, um, work on trying to avoid the the classic agency thing of oh I want to build the new Instagram okay yeah we'll build that for you here's a ridiculous quote and then they just go for it and it's just a, a failure because that's not how you build the new Instagram um, so trying to work with people in a way that actually provides value we've kind of gone into that whole uh, like lean startup world um of kind of saying you know what is the what's the minimum thing we could put out here um and trying to talk them around into that and you know so doing like workshops and things around that and that has become our our specialism but it's a it's another dangerous one though because you know you you are essentially saying like a full service agency could never do that because you're essentially talking people out of doing work a lot of the time. Yeah, I was going to ask, have you, do you ever get to the point where you go through the beginning parts of this process and then advise the client not to go ahead? Um, it's normally fairly evident if they shouldn't go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> they come to you and say, I want to be the new Instagram. Well, well no, but, but also if, our, if, our, if after the prototyping... You know, they show it to some users and then it's like, yep, uh, <laughs> radio silence because it didn't it didn't come off, you know. Yep. And that's fine. That's what prototyping is for in it, sometimes. Um, so that does happen. You would get something to a prototype stage, test the market, and at that point you would you would sort of halt the project? Um, no, we normally normally they we normally get them to do most of the testing because we're kind of quite a believer in that actually part of the value we're doing is they're an entrepreneur and this this workshop of taking their idea you know sketching it and then doing a little prototype they can have on their phone um part of it is like a boot camp in how to 
do product management you know how to how to get feedback how to then feed that into the thing and and so a lot of it is just like a a wake-up call of like you know take this idea that you think is going to work and put it in front of people and then find out that they don't think it's going to work so it's um we really encourage you know we sort of demonstrate to them how to do that testing but we really encourage them to actually have it on their person you know it's on their phone in their pocket go and find your customer we we give them we take we give them a little script you know we work with them on like what the demo is they'll normally do that and then they'll realize whether or not they've got the well the kind of that's when you see behind the the curtain right and realize that it's actually really hard to do a startup yeah no that's that's a really really good idea so has a client ever turned around to you after doing that and said we're going to put the brakes on at this point um they've disappeared they have really okay so (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah yeah um they but again it's it's difficult because that as a specialism is is hard when you're up against someone that's saying we'll just build it for you you know well you're just being honest you're what you're doing is the correct approach but you're being mildly negative as well yeah but for their own goods is it doesn't sell it doesn't sell well you know it doesn't sell well so no you know sometimes the proposals that go out will be like we'll do this prototyping and then of course we'll go ahead and build the new instagram <laughs> but <laughs> but let's stop after the prototyping and you'll have the opportunity to to rethink what you know what features go in it yeah yeah we we've certainly worked on some projects in the past i think that have gotten to that stage or even earlier and we've tried to convince the client to to reconsider or to at mm. least pivot and to, yep. to try a different avenue to see if it has greater success and that on occasion we've been in a situation where they would want to press head regardless and looking yeah. back at how those projects turned out i think i probably would have preferred to have turned that away at that point yeah yeah i mean that's yeah that's 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 a di- exactly that's a difficult specialism to have in it the specialism of reducing the amount of work you can <laughs> build for them, <laughs> yeah. yeah but that is absolutely. the that's the lean you know that is the the lean startup way and you know and we kind of believe in it mm. um it's just making it it's packaging it up for a client because you know the lean startup is actually how your men are run your own startup not how your men are work with a web agency so it's kind of a it's finding of it's finding a model there that actually that can that can work is um it's tricky it's taken a while mm no it's really interesting do you have a do you have a break break from the formula and do do something that doesn't follow that process like if it was more like an innovation team um and i felt the money wasn't someone's personal money and you know, you you will find out more if you build more. Like, yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you will. Like, the prototype can find you out a bit, but not not loads. It's meant to be, like I say, the prototype's meant to help them with a way of thinking. You know, if someone's, if if people have got the budget and they want to try something out, and and I don't feel like it's going to kill their business, um, then yeah, then absolutely at that point we we kind of use we say well we should prototype this obviously. Um, but if you don't think prototyping is of value, 
we can you know we can build it we still try and keep it quite minimal but you know i'm that that's kind of their call with their business's budget rather than someone who's like i've got this great idea and you're just like there's no way that idea's got any chance if you just build something before you've even met a customer so mm-hmm. you know we just can't do that because it's stupid yep yeah, so in a way, your your specialism is uh, helping early stage people validate their business ideas. And are we, are we doing a vision statement here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Stop it! I, well, I don't, I don't hate them. I just can't get, I can't find a good one. So I spend so much of my day thinking about it. I can't do it on this podcast as well. Yes, yeah. We we help. Okay, we help. We help define how a we help define how a product should look when it first meets a customer. Yep. How's that one? That's not bad. I like it. Mm, it's okay. It's, good. it's a bit clunky. <laughs> it's really hard. It isn't. It is really hard defining all these things. I don't like it. Web design yeah. and development, John. Web design <laughs> and development. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Move on. So would you say that you you then specialize in a type of client? Um I th- no because I think that approach can Okay, yes in yes in what they're trying to achieve but no mm-hmm. not in what type of business they are. Yep. So they've they've got either an idea for a new product or I would extend it into the web design field and say if they've if they've got a problem like a complex message or something that they don't that no one quite knows how to explain you know that's their business then you can sort of apply the same things to it and say that that is also you know you should be testing you you can prototype that or or at least you can go and experiment with the content mm-hmm. um so Although, to be honest, that's a little bit retrofitting the fact we do websites. Like like yourself, you know, like, of course you still do websites because you can do websites uh, and people want websites. But does it fit into that, the new specialism of what we're saying? It probably doesn't, but I don't think we're ready to say we don't do websites at all. So it's kind of like trying to say, yeah. well, what what are the commonalities between those two things that we can say is our is our specialism and and get good at? And I think it is that, um, you know, really starting with the problem definition and then working out, you know, working your way towards the solution, not assuming that you know what the solution should be at all at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that we've we've been we've been getting more and more specialist over time. I would say as well. I think when we started, obviously a bit more desperate for work. I'd say at the very beginning, yeah. you know, you would take on whatever you could, I guess, to to pay the bills and earn some money. Yep. When you're very when you're really starting out, uh, it's still, I guess, because we both sort of fell into this in a way, uh, mm-hmm. without really much of a business plan of our own. If only there was someone like us to guide us through this process <laughs> <laughs> when we were first starting out and in audio great. form <laughs> yeah yeah uh I, I guess over time that we've we've become more and more specialist and identified our strengths and the things that we've we felt that we delivered best and focused more and more of those and and sort of done away with 
the things that I thought made us a bit more generalist in the past. What were they? I mean, when we were first starting out, we were doing a lot more web work in general, websites, I guess. Um, but when we were first starting out, we were doing... Crikey, we're doing... Banner ads. No, never banner ads. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I tell a lie. <laughs> <laughs> we all done one, banner one ads. clients just popped into mind who we did it for that it would worked out lucrative enough as a uh, as a sort of continuous stream of small income. Tom's became... a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll go. He'll go. Oh, but I I could just knock it out. It'd be so. You know. What I mean, it's just like no, you're doing banner ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that quickly becomes a, a thorn in your side. Um, yeah. We were doing like flash animation and stuff at one point. Right. Okay. Which was a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um. Uh, all, all sorts of things. Um. We've done projects in the past where we just do solely the sort of UX bit and don't actually touch any design, right, okay. which has been interesting. Um, but we pr- definitely prefer to have ownership of the design. We we feel if we see someone else designing what we've what we've done UX for, then you know you always want to do it differently. Yeah, of course. And I suppose it feels like, well, what's wrong with our design? Yeah, and very recently we've been approached by people to to just do user testing on their their product and run you know sort of remote user testing sessions labs, which we're perfectly capable of doing and could do a good job of it. But it's not something we generally separate out and say is a separate service. It's something we do as part of our own process and we do it on our own work. Well, it's hard to, hard to wrap that up as a deliverable, isn't it? Like when we, you know, because we do research and we do some lightweight user testing, and but I'm that you're right. Like as soon as I've done them, I'm I'm moving on. Like my head doesn't want to stay there. It's like okay, I've this is this has told me how I should go ahead and try and solve this. So that's where I want to be now. I don't want to be writing that up for a committee. Or, or like writing up so it's a deliverable I could charge for. I want, I want, you know, I'm doing those things to, to get to the pro- end problem, you know, solution. Yeah, I mean, we're designers. We we spot a problem and we want to fix it. And if you're not given the opportunity to fix it, then I think I'm going to get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, we did a similar thing with um with development. So, you know, we'd have, you know, a lot of the time people would say, oh, I've got this site and this isn't working. Or that isn't working as bugs or or whatever, and of course at first it was like, well, great, that's Dan billable for a few weeks because he can just go in and and fix those things. But you know, I think I think it was when we hired another developer, and I could hardly bring myself to like pass that work on to him, even though that's kind of why we hired him. So it was like you know I'd be like, let's hire another developer, so because. They'll be junior and they will do these like rubbish bits of development. And then once they started, I was just like, why am I just going to completely like kill this person with rubbish work? Um, You're such a good boss. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you're listening, uh, light, Lighthouse developer, <laughs> Christy. If you're listening, Christy, and you probably are, that's what I did for you. Um, <laughs> you threw yourself on the sword. <laughs> I did. 
Well, no, I threw the sword I, out I, the window. I, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I I wanted to throw him on the sword, but then I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, <laughs> no, and we just real, you know, we just realised, you know, we don't have to do this. Like, let's just let's just say no to any to working on other people's code base. You know, we want to build things bottom up, and it felt at the time like we were being a bit like precious or something, and that you know, this is um, especially with development, you feel like well, everyone's code should be made in a way that someone else can take over on it. But then you like you step back and go, that's just rubbish. Like that's of course that's not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like people's other people's code is difficult to work on. And especially most of the time if someone's getting someone else to work on it, it's because the first person was awful. So you're just kind of, you know, you very rarely get like, oh wow, oh what, they didn't want to work on this amazing code anymore. Um so yeah, we kind of we just made a policy of you know we're only going to develop our own stuff because that's not like I say that's not our specialism like jumping on other people's code and sorting it out is not you know not what we're good at. And I think part of becoming more of a specialist is is turning stuff down. I think that that in itself that process makes you more of a specialist. Yes. I guess if you never get into the habit of turning stuff down, you'll always be a generalist. And everyone needs to be more of a generalist when you start off. You need to experiment with what types of work and jobs are out there on the market and see what fits with you and what you really enjoy, where you can see you're having the most impact. And then start turning the other things down that you feel are hindering that. Yeah, completely. It's the um, Someone mentioned to me the other day the what you want to do more of what do you want to do less of and what do you want to keep the same you know as a, as a way of reviewing where you're, where yeah that can be used to review a lot of things like people you know but certainly can be used to for the type of work you're doing and what and what you're good at and you're right like if you don't if you don't do that you just won't get anywhere will you you know it's it's very hard to to understand how to get better at something, make more money out of it if you're just not even sure what that thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes I you agree. Yeah, you know, clients respect it. Like it's 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 how you get those better jobs because because people go, Oh right, you're obviously the best at this, so I'll hire you. Yep. Um, so maybe it's less about specialisms, maybe it's just more about focus. I think so. It's more about getting good at at knowing why you're doing something because I think if you do that and this is you know let's let's not dribble, go too much onto the vision side of things I'm sure once I've got a vision statement for you we can do that episode <laughs> and I, and that's fine um it will be a good one I know it will um and we like it is I suppose it is more about that in a way it's kind of like how do I how do I deliver this thing and it's always good if if that is slightly more abstract than just like how do i you know we're the best at html5 because html5 will presumably become html6 <laughs> that's, that's a prediction for you <laughs> at some at some point never it might never done <laughs> it might um and then you're let you know but you want to be good at a thing that's i suppose you want to be a specialist in something that provides value like direct value, not in the tools and things that you use to do that. You want the specialism needs to be the thing that provides value because then you can always roll with the punches of something 
you know, you'll see the next thing coming. You'll go, ah, HTML6 is here, and you'll be able to quickly analyze whether or not it should be something you're good at. Yeah, I agree. So how do you see this changing in the future? Do you um do you see yourself continuing on this path or do you do you see changes ahead and becoming more focused on a certain thing? That's difficult. Mm, I find it difficult as well. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, stumped. No, I think it will change, but I I hope that that I hope that vision like solidifies, you know, that the the you know there's a startup quote that's like be or maybe it's like the amazon dude bezos um be strong on vision but flexible on details and i think that's that's how that's the way to to do it is to say you know get just keep refining that thing that you want to provide the value you want to provide and then just build a skill set around that um that's constantly moving and the thing with you know with especially with development is i don't even know how someone who's developing now like copes like it's just there's so many different ways of delivering something so many different um you know lang- programming languages and and whatnot that i just think if you're whatnot there you go that's a that's a that's a cto of a uh, of a of a tech agency describing tech as whatnot you know <laughs> um showing showing how uh how into it i am but yeah like um you just gotta pick your you know just make sure that you've got that vision for why you're learning something or why you're getting good at something not just because a client wants you to get good at it mm. yeah i would summarize by saying you know either you know start off broad if you're just starting an agency unless you, if you haven't got a completely clear vision or focus from the very outset or even if you have it probably makes sense to start off reasonably broad try a lot of different things and then gradually just start to focus on the things where you think you can make the most impact um, maybe start to specialize in a client type and provide a wider array of services to a very specific client type or perhaps you could narrow down the range of services that you are offering but offer them to a wider range of clients two potential approaches you could take yeah definitely you could i mean and i would also say you should talk about yourself as a specialist even if you're not so you know yeah. the the way to the way to become a specialist isn't to say oh um i can't do that at the moment but come back in 6 months and i'm going to be good at that is to say yeah that's what that's what we do that's our specialism and then panic and and dive in and learn it because you actually find that that's basically what everyone's doing so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) it's not even really lying if everyone's lying yeah so the best (laughs) advice we can give is wing it (laughs) absolutely absolutely and and i I, but i think the really important thing is to dictate your own specialism and not have it dictated to you by by clients like i think that thing you said about turning down turning down work and like turning down like eventually getting to the point where you're like no i don't want to do that um mm. yeah, that's really important because it, it, it'll kill you to not do that yeah i agree yeah i don't know where our future lies either um it's it's difficult just to 
get out the magic ball and uh, mm. <laughs> figure out what lies ahead. I think it's going to come out of process and trying things and, and seeing what we think really works and what, what we're great at and nurturing those things to uh, to make us even more specialist in our field and yeah. hope, hopefully even more expensive. <laughs> well, the natural, the, the natural, you know, where where I would say this this conversation is heading, the natural conclusion of being specialist is to become a consultant and yeah. to just advise and not actually deliver, mm-hmm. um, and they are really expensive. So, yeah, great. Yeah, we're on, we're on the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good stuff. Right, I think that about wraps it up for this one. Um, so, anything else to say, Dan? I'm a specialist at um, telling you my uh, Twitter handle. Excellent. So, uh, what is your Twitter handle? <laughs> uh, well, my personally is Gentus Maximus. You can um, you can speak to me personally if you want, but I I do talk a lot of rubbish. If you want like web stuff, then best to follow the Lighthouse London one at We Are Lighthouse. Excellent. Will do. And you can find cool. me at at dark john d-a-r-k-e-j-o-n and uh every interacts for the company stuff we are underscore perspective fm on twitter and perspective.fm on the webs uh we are on itunes as well so please subscribe and rate us there any comments questions or feedback put them through the website and uh we'll get those and we look forward to speaking to you next time cheers dan cheers john